Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the 10 Laws Podcast with East Forest. I'm Mr. Forrest. Thanks for joining us this week. I have a conversation with our old friend, Michael Phillip. He is the host of the third Eye Drops podcast, which is an excellent podcast. You'd probably like it if you like this podcast. We've had him on the show before, and we always get into some interesting corners of conversation. I mean, we were talking today, recording this on sort of a rainy morning on the weekend, and, uh, you know, both feeling in some ways the heaviness of, of what's going on, but really trying to get into like, what do we, what does that mean? What do we do with it? What are the, uh, the philosophical corners and impl- implications of this? So I think it's rich. And uh, the episode goes for, I don't know, around an hour and then it fades out. If you want to hear the remainder of our conversation, we got a bit more personal there at the end, at least just sort of shifted the topic a bit. And that is featured over on my Patreon. So we call it the Council on Patreon, patreon.com slash East Forest. And I do uh, sometimes share exclusive content from the podcast, such as the remainder of this conversation with Michael but I also share music, uh, demos. I found these demos from 2008 for my very first record. And I, I'm sharing those this month over on the Patreon. And we do a monthly Zoom council right now where we get to gather and witness and I do a live musical meditation. And this month in June of 2022, in honor of the solstice, I'm going to do a live, uh, we're gonna open up essentially the, the Zoom gathering that I do with a particular tier on the Patreon, but it's going to be open to everybody. So if you sign up this month on any tier, you can join us. It'll be on June 30th, I believe, is when the actual live thing is happening. And if you can't make it, you'll still have access to watch it and and listen to the meditation, the music meditation in retrospect. But that'll be on the evening at 5 p.m. Pacific time on June 30th. So go over to patreon.com slash eastforest and see if you'd like to just sign up even for the month, you know, test it out see if it's for you. I think it's four bucks at the lowest tier and it goes up for there. But we appreciate the support. I want to thank Gwen for signing up in this last week. And I just love, uh, it's a great way to support the podcast and I appreciate and love to see everybody everybody there. It's a, it's a fun way to interact. Um, I have been working on a new record for a long time and I've been back from touring for about two weeks now. I've got another week before heading down to uh, Southern Utah where we're gonna be helping uh, Harry Grammer out, who is also on the podcast. Fantastic podcast episode. If you haven't heard Harry Grammer's episode here on 10 Laws. Uh, but he's got uh, a new earth retreat with with youth from LA that I'm just really excited to go down there and, and be part of it, participate, play some music, go on some hikes, and help open people's concepts of their of the world and give them space to, to just be. So that's... That's a beautiful private retreat coming up. Um, but I've been working on music and having a lot of like insights and breakthroughs, doing a lot of vocals and recording drums and recording upright bass. Uh, I've been working with Jens Karras and Owen Hoffman Smith. It's been a, a, I felt like I like broke through in a certain way on some intractable creative things that I've been working on for months now. And that's always an exciting moment to sort of try new things and it starts to coalesce. Um, So what I'm trying to say is I'm excited to share it with you. That's coming down the pike. Um, I have some other releases coming out soon that precede that, that are already done, that I'm excited to share with you. But this week we did release uh, one more single, the last one from the Still Possible album. 
It's called Old Tales. You're going to hear it at the end of the episode here. And the whole album comes out, a couple more tracks, the whole thing on June 17th. And it's all B-sides from my possible album, the possible sessions, and just tracks that were orphans, essentially. They didn't fit in on the whole record, so I'm just finding a way to share some things that I still found were special, but they're just sort of floating floating in the ether, as it were. So uh, Old Tales just came out, so wherever you listen to music, you can hear all those tracks off the Still Possible album, and thank you so much. We also added a couple live dates. We're going to be on June 25th, a Double Blind. You know the Double Blind? It's a magazine online and physical. It's a cool little magazine. It has a lot to do with psychedelic advocacy and education. They're doing a little festival down there in Ojai, California. I'll be down there doing a ceremony concert. And uh, Aubrey Marcus, our friend Aubrey, is uh, hosting and producing his own first festival called Arcadia, Arcadia in Alpine, Wyoming. And I'm going to be performing that as well. That's in the middle of July, between July 14th and 17th, I believe. And uh, we still have those other dates that are up, including uh, London in, in November. Hope to add some more dates around that and uh, some other stuff going on, including the Love Server member Ramdas retreat in North Carolina at the end of August. And our Esalen retreat coming up in July over the July 4th weekend is sold out, but we're going to be adding another one that will be ticketed soon or available to sign up on December 9th through 12th. And you can go to eastforest.org for all of those. There's also a wait list if you want to hear about the Esalen retreat as soon as it does open. Sign up for the newsletter and we will let you know as soon as that is available. Um, I think that's mostly the housekeeping There might be other things, but I want to get into this conversation because this was a fun one with our friend, Michael Phillip. Booyah. What's up, my friend? How are you? What's up, man? It's always wonderful to be with you in any iteration of of Mind Meld. Yeah. um, Trying to think the last time we got a chance to connect was... Was it a year? I don't know, man. I honestly don't know. It's weird how the the pod dimension sort of just takes on its own weird timeline. I'm always shocked when it's been, when I'm like, it can't be a year, but it could well be a year. I don't know. Well, um, you still have the fractalness behind you, but now there's some prayer flags. This is true. Yeah. I just put up some new prayer flags outside, and when the old prayer flags get torn apart and eventually rip, I feel like it's sort of like a mm. dead plant that you need to, not like you have to do deal with that from a feng shui perspective. Yeah. And I took the prayer flags down, and I thought, I need to like, I need to bury these or something. I feel oh, bad yeah. just like throwing them out, so I, I just buried them into the in the yard. I have a funny similar story. We have a, a little Buddha figure on our like little makeshift altar in the living room and his head fell off. <laughs> what do you mean his head like, fell off? It, literally his head just like broke, like it just came off. I can't remember why. fell off. I think your it, cat it was, had something to do with this. It was definitely a shock, like when it happened. I think maybe it was being moved and it just kind of fell off. And I was like, this has to be an omen. And then if you look up, you know, what do you do with like uh, a broken Buddha figure. What, what's the thing you're supposed to do? 
there is no agreed upon answer. Some of it is <laughs> like, surprise. oh, yeah, it's an opportunity for impermanence. Just throw it out. It's just, a, it's, you know, it's not really, it's like, what, what is it? Some kind of idol? It's, you know, it's just there as a reminder. And yeah, that's always a really interesting reflection is what is the proper way to treat sacred objects, especially when they break? Because they're just objects, right? Like prayer flags are yeah. objects, Buddha figures are objects, What whatever's you know, sacred to you is an object. So it's like a, almost like a Rorschach. No, I definitely think it's in my mind yet. It's very much in my mind. I mean, it, I, I had a Buddha that broke and it was in my studio here and it smashed. It was a head and I put it into the garden. And then I also had a uh, Radha had a, uh, like it was this big sculpture of Jesus. She found at a yard mm. sale, but it was a black Jesus. Like it, okay. it was actually black. And we had this in our, out here in our little area and it also got knocked over in the wind which is even creepier mm. and shattered and I was like what do I do with shattered black Jesus <laughs> and I buried that too in yeah. the same spot I just felt like I needed to give it some reverence but I like that I, it's, it's interesting though because so I have a painting of Maharaji mm -hmm. I've got pictures of Maharaji all over there's this painting in the bedroom and I see it when I go to bed and when I wake up and it is like a Rorschach and that I definitely am imparting feelings into like he's more of like, oh, right now I'm getting a smile from this picture. It's like the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm, or right mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm getting a frown. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, mm -hmm. but sometimes I have this trip. I'm like, it's just love coming to me and I'm the one imparting any kind of yeah. shame on it or these messages. I'm like, maybe that whole thing is just me. I want to let all that go. And it's just just presence. And all the other stuff is just these yeah. stories in my head. I think so. I mean, I think that makes sense, right? Like when you feel like in any, you know, meaningful spiritual experience you've ever had, or, you know, maybe I'm projecting my own experiences onto you, but there always is that sense of like putting down that, oh yeah, why was I worried about that shit? Yeah. What, you know, oh, that, you know, that thing that seemed to be taking up so much square footage in what feels like a limited mind suddenly is shrunken down to an insignificant little, you know, nothing. And so I think it makes sense that whatever that thing that is happening out there slash in there, really it's, it's core state is probably just that kind of awareness you're just describing. And, and then we're flavoring it with our own fears, yeah. mortality, anxiety, whatever. Yeah, we are definitely... I don't know, we see things from such of our own human perspective. It's very difficult to like not anthropomorphize in a sense everything. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh anyway, so that that's uh that's what happened to my prayer flags yesterday. So <laughs> I like that addition. But aside from your the aesthetics of your room, um it's a lot more purple now too. Oh yeah, the the did I not have the light last time? I think you did, but it, this feels like it's mm. really going there. It's going full uh it's hyper Royal. purple. Yeah. Hyper purple. It also depends what camera I'm using, I think, because I have oh, a okay. new I mean we can maybe we can talk talk tech afterward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, unless anyone wants to hear about my new MacBook. Yeah. But what what are what has been on the frontier of your conversations in your life that you feel like you've been edging up against or that's just sort of been wrestling uh in your mind and your heart these days? Um if you need a prompt, That's I can tell you what it question, is for me. Man. But oh, I'm sure. more curious. Yeah. Please do. Well, I've been speaking a lot about just sort of these dichotomies that we feel. It's just like on one hand, I 
I've had these moments of feeling very creatively engaged and enjoying this time of year and the, the beautiful, like, clear skies and there's not smoke in the air and just riding my bike around while the weather is warmed up. And the other half of me is feeling the incredible heaviness of a world, like, dying mm. and all the crazy suffering happening from, I mean, on yeah. every level, as we all know. And we've almost become inured to this over a few years through COVID and Mm-hmm. It's always been there, mm-hmm. but the background noise has become a lot louder. Yeah, and it's just this living. It's just kind of living in those dualist. You're living it with it all at once. So for me, it's just weird mm-hmm. yeah. and heavy, but also there's a fullness to it, um, like some kind of unveiling of something. But mm. so it's just yeah. I don't know, man, I'm just kind of holding like these different realities at once, and we kind of be- you kind of bounce between them in se- in a sense, or or sometimes hold them at the same time. I do feel that, and that's actually one thing that has been a constant kind of through line in a lot of the the pods I've been doing lately. Is this, you know, maybe it is not novel, in the sense that I think everybody thinks they're on the tip of the spear psychically or that they're living in some kind of transformative time or or apocalyptic time or something like that but it's hard man it's hard to deny that there's not some kind of thick transformative energy in the ether right now both personally and on the macro you know like i remember toward the beginning of the year people talking about who are into astrology talking about ultra rare planetary alignments that haven't (laughs) happened in like thousands of years and you know, I always remain kind of ambivalent on on that way of interpreting things, but intuitively and personally, dude, I I do feel that in my own life, like really feeling a pull for major transition. Um, and mm. also, you know, it's clear when you look at the macro. I mean, from the the economic to wars to you know the pandemic to shootings to all of these things, it's it's really difficult to dismiss all of that as a as a discrete symptom that's just unique. Like it feels more like it's growing out of of something yeah. bigger. And as above, so below, right? It's like mm-hmm. what's so interesting about it is that for all of us, well, you can let me know if this is true for you too. Uh, but it, it is mirrored like this sort of outer chaos is mirrored as an inner mm-hmm. transformation that's very unique for every person. Mm-hmm. Very, very specific to like, like you said, some kind of calling, like I'm feeling like I want to shift this or this thing is really breaking down in my life or in my community, my family, something is really going on. Are you feeling like you're wanting to make change or change is being forced upon you? Both, both. Uh, that's a really, yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. And, and maybe the the visual I'm getting right away is is the you know the visual of all right the waters the rapids are moving faster and yeah. whatever your static position happens to be is under threat it's it's not going to last right and you can either hunker down and resist the current for as long as you want or just just let the inevitable take its course and be like all right this is the way the water's going. I should probably let go and flow into that. Like that—that that is 
kind of how it feels for me personally. But that's, I think what's a little hard about that is sometimes it's actually kind of tough to know, like, well, where is the water flowing? I mean, yeah. could it, I mean, it, the natural reaction is like, I don't want to flow into just like things breaking apart totally. in my life. There's like, we, we naturally want to move towards balance. And, mm-hmm. and that's a human thing. So it's kind of goes against the grain of our instincts. In, in some ways it is your instinct, but your brain's saying like, oh, hold up here. Yeah. You know, p- put some guardrails on this or like, how can we protect yourself through this? But I'm not sure like how far it wants to cut to the bone. Because of a lot of us, like we are trying to hang on to what's working. Like we keep podcasting or like mm-hmm, I tried mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. go out there and continue to do dates or continue to make music. I don't feel like the calling is to disappear. But yeah. there's a recognition that continuing forward in the same way there's a friction there mm-hmm. and it's like how can we decrease the friction and i perhaps it's more just it's a process that's underway and so it's revealing itself perhaps over generations even we're in this weird yeah. liminal space where it's like oh for us it's always just going to be funky mm-hmm. you know, for a long mm-hmm. time yeah no i i do think that the intergenerational flow is is a thing and you know that that's become another kind of popular topic in in the in new age woo circles right the the ancestral trauma or ancestral knowledge or or whatever it is but i i do think that although it can take on kind of a cartoonish flavor there's i think there's something there like i mean i think that there is something kind of working its way th- through multiple generations. Uh, I had a really um, naturally psychedelic experience a couple oh. months ago because I had a um, my 100-year-old grandfather passed away. And it was like, you know, it was a long mm. time coming. It wasn't a shock by any means. But, um, you know, seeing the multiple generations that that were his progeny and like being in the same room as like, you know, my immediate family and then his, his other kids' immediate families and his other kids' immediate families and then their immediate families. It's like, that is a naturally psychedelic moment. Like seeing, seeing the plant like structure of, of your family right there. Like, wow. And then they're going to go all, all on to have children probably. And, and then they're going to have children and it just keeps something just keeps working its way, you know, and maybe it's, it's simple genetics, maybe it's simple reproduction, but it does kind of feel, doesn't it feel to you like intergenerationally something is working itself out? Like I, I posted this young quote the other day that really seemed to resonate with people that was something along the lines of like the greatest burden of the child is the unlived life of the parent burn. You said on the, the greatest burden, the burden. greatest burden of the child is the unlived life of the parent. Uh, uh, yeah. You pass that baton down mm-hmm. I and mean, you pass everything mm-hmm. down. So in some ways, the more, you, well, if you said the word burn, like the more you can burn through in a way, that's true. Uh, the more the child can then continue the burn in their own way, which is a kind of growth and fertilization. It's like burning through karma, uh, burning through trauma. Yeah. Everything that's become you know, epigenetically uh, down the line. I mean, I'm sure 
we've continued in the past, shall we say, to make very bad choices as human beings mm -hmm. that we're now reaping a lot of the results. You're like, why is the world so fucked up? It's like, I bet we've done some, we know we have a lot of horrible things we've done and just keep taking that line back to being, you know, Stone Age and just like murdering and, you know, <laughs> stealing mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and learning. Yeah. Uh, and here we are. And when you're incarnate, you have this magical ability, it feels like, to affect both your history, family tree, backwards and forwards. It's just a psychedelic idea I can't prove, but I feel that. Yeah. And then we also have this recognition that, yeah. that really, let's say three generations maybe, is about all we remember and know. And mm -hmm. you go beyond that, it just disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really yeah, yeah, Everything we're doing, all everything we care about, everything we make will basically just be gone. Yeah, I, totally I was watching a... <laughs> on that note, uh, with my family, uh, my my stepdad was watching this show called, I think it's 1883, and it's a prequel to the show Yellowstone, which I also haven't seen. But I bring it up because it's about some some European immigrants that are beginning this really, really arduous journey from Texas to Oregon, like Oregon Trail type vibe. And it's just terrible. I mean, it's like people are getting, you know, <laughs> terrible. Pe Everybody it's dies. like there's, yeah, there's disease everywhere. People are getting shot. It's completely lawless. You know, it's just, it's just wild. And then you stop and think and you're like, oh yeah, like almost for sure. Someone in my family dealt with this and survived this. And I right? have no knowledge, no None. knowledge. And I'm just like sitting here, like picking my nose, you know, <laughs> eating epic bars and like worrying about like, the next episode of Stranger Things or whatever the fuck I'm doing. And it's just so crazy, man, that we're built off of this immense suffering so that we can get to these almost like, I mean, we're at kind of an oasis in time right now, aren't we? Like compared to the past in a it's lot a of ways. It's a turbulent oasis. That, that's kind for, of what we're yeah. saying at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like it is an mm -hmm. oasis of opportunity, invention, and comfort. And at the same time, global connection where you know the worst thing that happens every day in detail yeah. in a way. Yeah. And, and in wild. some ways, like things that happen if, if, if affect the global scale very quickly, you know, um, that's what was so strange about the pandemic, or is, I should say, is that it was now like a physical old school thing that mm -hmm, did the same mm -hmm. thing the internet does. It affected mm. people collectively on one thing. Mm. And you, you thought that would be this sort of ultimate unveiling of like, look, this is really how, this is how interconnected we actually are, literally, physically. And even with that, we're still just like, I don't know. I camp over yeah. there. I don't like them. And this person's lying. And yeah, we couldn't quite get over the Rubicon of compassion. No. Yeah. I, I want to believe that there is some sort of pro-noic <laughs> agenda on the I part of the planet. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is the sort of initiatory struggle humans need to come together. And then we just blunder the fuck out of it. Yeah. And she's like, all right, well, that didn't work. All right, what, yeah. what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And what, what, maybe this is an interesting road to take. What do you think it would take for most people to, to get psychically aligned, like ideologically together back in a sort of like, we're one big human family thing? Like, <laughs> do you think that's even possible? Well, 
unfortunately, I think it's a kind of tribalism. Like, so what would create one tribe? And it's sadly the same thing that creates tribes now. It's an othering. Mm. You know, like we, it, we have to have something we're fighting against collectively. COVID wasn't enough. So it's like, geez, what, you know, how bad would that have to be to this abject, like, forcing of we are in this together? And that climate change isn't doing it. Um, and I think, like, even if, like, aliens came down and just land, it was, like, full on, everyone fully accepts that that actually is happening. Because, you know, the first thing mm-hmm. is people would disagree that it's even happening or it's a hoax or this camp is lying to this camp or it's really a secret government. They always, right, right. Let's just assume we're all like, yup, the aliens are here. They just came. We, we can see what the ships look like. They're talking. Here's the message. Even then, you know, we'd still probably would have a difficult time transcending our day-to-day bullshit. Because it, truthfully, I mean, it wouldn't go away. You still have to deal with your stuff. You still have your stuff. You still have your journey that you're working totally. on, your psychological issues, your, your traumas, all that stuff is still there. So Campus Earth seems to be designed to not be able to escape our work. Mm-hmm. The, you, know, the, you, you can play hooky, but you never leave the school in a way. And I don't mean that to be bad news. It's sort of like, I mean, part of this is like, it's raining today. And so I probably even just, you know, my mindset is a bit shifted, <laughs> but... It's I actually think I it's feel, raining here too. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I don't feel completely negative. I'm just saying um, it's a recognition yeah. of how much suffering is really going on, how you and I are like eating power bars. And like, you know what I'm saying? It, it comes to roost for all of us in our, in our times. Um, but amidst all of this, I also feel in my bones too a kind of transformation and opportunity and beauty that may feel stronger than I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> and it's all happening at the same time. And yeah. I guess I feel some guilt about that almost. I feel like, or it's just like, I, it's just, it, that's why I feel so full. It's like, I feel that sadness as I'm feeling also peace at moments. Yeah. It's just a lot to hold. Yes, it is. And I mean, I think this is what, what happens on the sort of, uh, you know, to put it in the Jungian terms, the the individuation journey, when you, when you start to play in the deeper waters, like past your own ego, it's not this light show of fairy tales and, and beauty all the time. It's like, I, I think it is more what you're talking about. It's the same if you look at the, the Eastern lens, like the Bodhisattva vow. It's like, yeah, let me just take on the collective suffering of all of mankind for the rest of eternity until I free all you know, sentient beings or, or whatever the Bodhisattva vow yeah. is. It's like, that's not fun. Like we, we want to believe that it's like going to be some sort of knight in shining armor slaying the dragon situation. And I, and I'm not saying that that, I, the, the Western kind of interpretation of this does appeal to me as well. But I think that when you think about it in overly simplistic terms like that, it's, you're, you're missing part of it because, you know, uh, again, on the Western path, Jung was very clear that it's like, no, you're you're taking on so much suffering and darkness if you're on this path and the light. Like, you're going for wholeness. You're not going for right. good or bad. You're going for wholeness. You're going for truth. You're going for, for maximum recognition of what's going on with you and with the world. 
And that's a heavy burden, man. And I think, you know, it's one of those questions where if you stopped people on the street and said like, hey, do you, do you want real truth in your life? Do you, you, want do the you really pill? want it? Yeah. yeah. And they'll be like, oh yeah, bro, I take the red pill, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, and it's like, okay, well, um, so do you, do, you, do you see that homeless guy over there? Do you like, do you think he's suffering? And you, you notice how um, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they're probably, you know, they're, it's really easy. That's one that's really easy to bypass, right? Like they probably got themselves there through addiction. They probably, you know, they're probably not really like they're, they're they might be making more money than me that's one that i hear sometimes you know it's like do you know how much ma- money those guys make out there every day they make like 500 dollars a day i saw a youtube video or something you know and it's like or really consider the possibility of that but that person's fucking suffering and you're not doing anything about it and you could yeah but you're not i mean honestly however much money you're making begging on the street it sucks to beg it just I mean, anyway, look at it. It's not a f- good position to be in. It's not fun. It's nobody. Nobody grew up as a little kid dreaming about that. Like I'm just gonna relax, not have a job, and float around, and just take money from people when they give it to me. Um, yeah, it it takes a lot of courage. So I mean, on the on the flip side, from that Jungian viewpoint. It's honorable too, like to say, I want to feel the fullness. I want to have my eyes fully open. I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to just mm-hmm. close my ears to what I hear. I, I want to feel that I can hold more, because from that bodhisattva view, it's like I want to, I want to have compassion for it all, and just f- it's okay to feel it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of what we do is we just push it away with some other thing, I just distract it, fill it with content, so I don't have to feel and hear that background noise all the time, and. It, I think it's okay to have a little space to just feel it. Like you feel you might break, but it's like, you're not going to break. You're just going to feel a lot and it will move. Everything in the universe just moves and passes. Just like that Fibonacci behind you. It's all flow. It just keeps flowing. And it's just more and more and more and more. And you're, and you're part of that. So it takes courage to do that, man. It takes, it takes, it's honorable. I think Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. to feel these days. Uh, Yeah. You, you see a lot of feeling in your own vocation. Like you probably see more feeling in a given night than like most people do in years. Because what like most people, when they're going through their, their daily rigmarole, you're, you're dealing with, you know, default mode network, do the thing, navigate the thing, keep a stoic straight face. Um, and that and you're seeing like the total opposite man you're you're seeing like the 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 <laughs> believe, me open <laughs> yeah like yeah. what they you know the the transient hypofrontality or whatever they call it where those networks turn off the sense of self gets blown open and you suddenly you're you know not even existing as yourself at least subjectively for for a little while and does that i mean i guess maybe you don't have time to fully confront or grok that because you're you're doing you're performing you're facilitating so you're like in your own kind of flow state i guess but does that ever does that ever overwhelm you when you're yeah when you're in the process yeah Do you ever just it, have to stop i hope not but i mean it can be um like we did an event i spoke about this a bit before in la recently where there were just like a lot of different energies in the room like people just doing mm. different they're taking different rides 
Hmm. Uh, everything from folks being really dropped in, maybe just with their breath, to medicines of different sorts, to someone doing acro yoga, Whoa. to like a little group of women just just having girl time and chatting, like right in front of me. I'm like, what is going on here? And then some other guy who was <clears throat> had too much of some kind of medicine. And that you could feel that energy of like, oh boy. Yeah. Like, where's this going? And we had to have, we had to work with, we had to, you know, sit by him, sort of like psychedelic bouncers in a way, because I think he wanted to come on stage. <clears throat> he was totally out of it. And yeah, it is distracting. Um, I can hear that. I can feel it. The energy is just kind of in different places. And that's not always normal. Um, but you're trying to like, it's like steering a ship through a storm. And sometimes it's not that stormy. And sometimes mm. the storm's coming. It's like, well, my job is to keep the ship sailing. Yeah. Because people are like on this musical ship together. And if I, I can't, I, my job is not to just drop that. It's like, I'm going to be your captain for the next X number of hours. And that guy actually uh, wrote me a message and apologized wow. a few days ago. Yeah. I. I don't normally see these messages. <laughs> I thought you were going to pick Some... it up there. Like, I got it right here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll take over. East Forest is currently coughing. Uh, he got a little liquid down the wrong tube, but he is simply on a, a trip that was unplanned for, for just a moment here, and he will emerge... Back in Holy shit, that was a, <laughs> that's like when you need water to help you and it, 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 everything goes, hey, we're the wrong way. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, that's never fun, man. That's never fun. Maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. His anyway, diamond is spanking you. He, he, he recognized that he kind of took the energy of the room and probably perhaps even traumatized other people and yeah. hijacked things. And I appreciate that. He was owning that and honoring that. But that's sort of the state we're in. Like it's it's like the the playing field we're on is so tumultuous and you know, the state of the world is, is just so active that I think people need to be mindful that like it doesn't take much to throw us off our center. No. And but inevitably people they make errors in judgment and they're like, oh man, this yeah. is more than I thought I could handle or the situation I'm in is not the best place. And so for me, I can't control that. And you're in this space, this interesting like public, private space, hybrid performance medicine where I'm not necessarily inviting that at all. And I'm not even, because I want, I want there to be boundaries, but I'm also recognizing we're all human beings and what's coming up in the room, I'm doing my best to work with it. You know, uh, but I'm a human yeah. being too, and that sometimes uh, is a lot to handle. But just having some history in the past of working in medicine spaces, I guess there's in the background a little bit of familiarity of like everything moves. It's like just keep 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 the warmth and the energy moving forward. Be that rock that people can stand on. Um, but it's helpful to have help in the room, you know, to have yeah. people that's like, it's, I'm not just alone. It's only so much I can do with uh, the music and the sound. Yeah. It's when, when you go into that psychic wilderness, that <sighs> any kind of visionary, um, substance can thrust you into, you don't know, like you, you don't know what 
tides were being held back by consensus reality neuroscience until yeah. it's gone. Oh my like gosh. some people are just on the brink of schizoid or or just need so much catharsis. Like man the the very first um when I was in Peru a couple years ago the first ayahuasca ceremony was like an absolute fucking psychic hand grenade just like went well, off yeah. in the room and wow. it was like th this one this one woman who's just she she was awesome and she became our friend after this and you know uh like highly i won't i don't want to like give away who she is potentially but like uh not that she's like a well-known person but if you really wanted to like dig through social media maybe you could figure it out so i'll just say she's like a very professional job a very you know mm -hmm. together person was just you know to the shamans just just like completely <laughs> wow. you know like taking over the room and she actually had to be escorted out but it yeah. wasn't just her man it was like it was just a cacophony of insanity and like that was your first experience yeah wow and it was a hard one for me too i was like in the corner like huddled like uh make it stop kind of like you know if there is anything you got that could make it stop like i was actually asking for it and of course they're like nope there's not. You're stuck. You're stuck. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, that can happen. It, it's not going to go the way you want it to go necessarily. And that's, that's where the, that's where the courage comes in, I think, in, in doing any kind of psychic experimentation or, or, you know, quote unquote healing work or. Well, tell me about the don't full, the full picture of your experience, so we can hear more about like how you felt about it afterwards, or how that yeah, experience yeah, ended yeah. up integrating into your life. Totally, totally. So overall, I mean, the, the place was beautiful. The people there were all great. Um, the container was good. The audience was was good, but the experiences themselves were very tumultuous for me in general. Like I just. It was the most difficult in terms of physical, mental miasma that I've ever gone through in any of these experiences that I've had with, with any kind of psychedelics. And it took until the third night for there to feel like, at, at least within the container of the experience itself, it took that long for anything that felt positive or like progress to, to happen. Uh, how, however, on the other end, you know, coming out of it each night, I did, I did feel like, all right, we're back. I, I went from feel, I went from feeling like there's no possible way I will ever, ever, ever ingest, ingest this substance again to about an hour afterward being like, all right, I'll be, wow. back. I'll be back the next night. But wow. it's, yeah, it's, it was kind of like that for me, the entire, the entire experience the entire um, week-long experience. But but it is definitely, you know, you're working through just so much fear, so much darkness, so so much that's that's bottled up that it, it needs to happen. Like that catharsis needs to happen. You know, you were talking about moving, moving into that darkness instead of avoiding it. And that's, what was happening for me it was like all of this bottled up um just 
I think I think fear was the essence of it was spilling out and afterward it does feel incredibly um like something's been lifted you know like 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 you you had psychic weight you almost didn't know was there until it's purged and and burned off in that way um how long ago is that this was maybe two years ago, I think now. Do you feel any like elongated effects or any sort of like resonance from that experience that's still alive today? For, I feel like I'm due again, honestly. Wow. I feel, I feel mm-hmm. like for, for a while there was like this knowing, this, this base level foundation right. of no matter what, you're going to be fine. You know, no matter what, you know, like when, when things start to feel like they're tumbling out of control or anxiety sets in or, you know, just fears about the future, fears about mortality, fears about whatever that we all deal with. For a while, there was always this ground floor that was sort of the 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 knowing that eventually broke through that third night that I was alluding to before. Mm-hmm. And... I think every so often you need to refresh that. <laughs> and, and I think I'm sort of in a place now where honestly, I probably need to refresh that. And that might be part of this. Like, you know, I was being kind of ambiguous about feeling this need for something to change or this yeah. need for... Is that it? <laughs> it? It might be It might be another, yeah, another encounter with the threshold guardian kind of thing. It's, it's amazing to think about... Um like what that space can feel like. We were really on the edge of everything in a sense and, and going across some kind of boundary. And they, like you said, the courage it takes, there's an inevitability to it, but yet it, there's this element of choice and how uh, the suffering and the, the relief, really, the sort of tension and release that happens with that, that is so profound. And in some ways, it's sort of speaking to what we were speaking about at the beginning here, this idea of like holding uh, opposing feelings or the fullness mm-hmm, of it all. Mm-hmm. It's really the ultimate fullness and then really feeling the other side, the other polarity of it. Uh, and it, it awakens something in our humanness of like, now I feel fully human. Yeah, there's parts of me that I felt maybe I was missing mm-hmm. and now I'm fully in them. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a warrior energy and a mother energy mm-hmm. at the same mm-hmm. time. It's yeah. That work that work is like it's honorable, uh, be, and it, I feel like it has a significance into. Yeah, uh, I think it yeah, does, you know? and I think it may also feed back into to what we're talking about. You know, you you can look at that that young quote quote about uh, the greatest burden of the children is the unlived life of the parent. You can you can look at that as like a a, a very surface level. My parents never did this, so I will do it. You can look at it that way. Or you can look at it like there's actual unprocessed trauma or energy or whatever that they were born with that they never dealt with just due to to not knowing how, you know, just due to necessity, just due to, I, I guess, un, unconsciousness. And I think in those states, when there is such an upsurge of fear, of just darkness, of 
of dealing with things that you don't even know where they're coming from, maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe you're processing, mm-hmm. like you're you're <laughs> you're unloading shit that you were like born into this world with that you have never been able to directly touch because it's embedded so deeply. You know, maybe it's epigenetically, maybe it's even genetic, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's all of the above, maybe there's no difference. But to me, like when you hit that well of just like what feels like this, like a well of darkness, it's almost like this goes on forever. Yeah. Like what the fuck is this? You know, I, I don't know if I think that that feels like it reaches beyond the individual. Like that feels oh, like yeah. it reaches into the like almost like collective shadow. Or oh something. yeah, for sure. That yes, that's I think that's most people probably had that feeling on psychedelic journeys at some point. You're feeling the the complete bottomless well of suffering, the collective suffering, whether it's been across all time and right now. It's just like oh wow, wow. Um, but again, it's about polarities. You know, everything has its opposing energy that keeps things flowing in this incarnation, in this state that we find ourselves in. And you also tend to get to feel like as you move into the fullness of the nothingness, in a sense, you know, you 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 start to feel all that is. As you know, sometimes there's like just law. It's like all this is just law. It's it's so immense and imposing. But it's not positive or negative at times. You just feel like this is this is the constituent energy of all that is, and that in itself it can be so awe-inspiring uh, to just witness being a part of that. And it's yeah. not something you negotiate with. It just is. Yeah. And so all that suffering and and all the success, all of it's just in there, and whew, it it's just if anything, it's humbling. It's and very humbling. I'm not even. It's a. It's a space that's. It's hard to put your finger on anyway. So I can't just say like it's X Y Z. Uh, but I just know it's. It's a. It's. It's a powerful. Uh, it's a very powerful feeling. It's way beyond just mind, of just like what I'm able to think about in my head. It's just like whoa. This is. This is the. Uh, an intelligence. I don't even know if that's the right word. Like a sense of design. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so much, infinitely larger than anything I could ever conceive, but yeah. now I'm able to conceive it in a sense through feeling that uh, humbleness is is the effect. It's yeah, awe-inspiring. Is, yeah, yeah. And this is why I'm so drawn to the the word psyche or like the, the like in, in terms of like a collective psyche, because it does, you know, it does feel like there is this self beyond self like a capital s self that small s self is connected to and we normally don't perceive the boundary or the ability to move back and forth but then when you are in these psychedelic states you know where where the psyche comes forth as the word literally refers to and it's in its entomology you're like oh yeah like that tide of psyche is always just right there, like right up against the wall. Wow. And it's always flavoring. You know, it's always flavoring me in ways that I don't perceive, but it's there. And it, it feels like that 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 blows right open for me. And because I mean the I guess I'll I'll take a moment to just like give the silver lining of uh those experiences for me. You know, anytime I do come up against that well of suffering, which almost inevitably it's like it blows my mind how much 
the psychedelic experience mirrors the cycle of the hero's journey where you're always going to hit that rock bottom place where you're just like, oh, fuck, like this is the abyss. Like there's no coming out of this. Inevitably, you do come out of it. And then you're honest with yourself, hopefully, in that you acknowledge like this is real, like this <laughs> place is real. I was just there because it's it's tempting to bypass it because eventually you get to the not always, but a lot of times you get to a good part after the bad part. And then if you get to the good part, you're like, oh, the whole point of the bad part is to get to the good part. Or so but that if you can be a good part in a sense or vice versa, like they're all yeah. servants to one another. Yeah. yeah. But then but then if you're honest with yourself, you're like, no, the bad part takes up a lot of that square footage. And it's probably never not going to. Unless there's some kind of like, you know, real uh, pure land Buddhism kind of realm where you can just uh, be, you know, in, in a realm of light or, or whatever forever. But um, for me, it's always like we go on in spite of that. We do it in spite of that because the alternative is that sort of existential absurdist, you know, uh, Albert Camus fundamental question of like so do you kill yourself or do you not kill yourself like that's how he starts um uh myth of sisyphus right like he, he starts it with like fir first and most important question is life is absurd do we go on with it or not and he says yeah yeah you go on with it and we i mean we can get into that whole thesis but um yeah but but it feels more like a not only do I agree with him in principle, I agree with him for like for a deeper reason than he would want to acknowledge, which is like a spiritual reason. It's like we're we're carrying some kind of fire forward here collectively. And does that matter or does that not matter? And I think it matters immensely. I think there's a process ongoing that most people, including myself, by the way, are largely ignorant of but we have the opportunity to contribute toward and i know that's like ambiguous and vague but um it has to be in a sense yeah because it because it fits everyone's life right for it to fit everyone's life it has to be ambiguous and vague yet you have to use that kind of mythological imagery of something working its way and that's what i always feel like when i come out of those states is like it's an increased knowledge of the high and the low, but also a momentary encounter with the fact that you have an opportunity to bear this flame forward. Um, wow. If that makes sense. That's the human journey, you know, carrying the torch uh, yeah. is it in itself. And I mean, if we if 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 all that is creates something that is it is not in order for all that is to discover itself again, essentially. Whoa, that sounded very uh, Taoist or something. Is that like a Tao Dao Te Ching? <laughs> then why wouldn't you create it to be as infinitely? Um, the the spectrum would be as far as it'd be fractally infinite, so that the fullness of what you're discovering is the same, mm -hmm. uh, because. It's hard. It doesn't make sense, but it does. It's like, so the torch, you, the, what you're, as you're, the fire would burn real hot, real hot to make it the fullest 
experience in the forest fire. And that doesn't diminish how difficult it is. But I agree. You keep, I keep getting that same sense over and over again from mundane things, from small synchronicities to large synchronicities to big psychedelic experiences to just looking at a leaf in the wind and hearing a certain sound. And I get the same feeling of like, mm-hmm. there is meaning and it's important. And yet there's nothing. You know, yeah. just this is it. And it's almost like a stripping away of all the things we hold on to and all the bullshit that we want to be and don't want to be. It's like all of that is just machinations of your of your mind and karma that's built up. And it actually, none of that is it. And it's some kind of discovery process of working through all that infinite well of suffering and then realizing I can let that go. You know, it's not about fixing it, right? Now we have to work through it. It's like, what if not? You know, what if it's just about releasing, accepting? Right, accepting. I think that's just what it is. holding. Like, I'm not changing anything. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm with it. I'm loving it. You know, and yeah. there's an impossibility to that when we when we're in this timeline of our lives. But in those spaces, you get these glimpses and you get it in your lives, as I'm saying, in these micro moments. And it's it's connecting the dots from these different experiences is like a through line you can hold mm-hmm. for yourself that feels like a truth that's an untruth. I mean, it's a Buddhist koan or something and that's maddening oh, on yeah. one level to you, but at the same time, it's like you always have the answer in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that koan kind of truth is the closest to an actual truth a human being's allowed to get because it's it's not a truth that you ever solve in the way of like a math equation. It's that you start to intuitively understand it by understanding all of the ways that you don't understand it. <laughs> you know, by like really really getting one of these paradoxical questions and you know, like an example is, um, you know, uh, show me the face you had before you were born or something is is, is one of yeah. the ones I remember hearing. Um, there's also kind of a longer winded version of it, I think, where it's like there's two Buddhist disciples and one of them ends up getting the master's robe or his... Um, something that's kind of the symbol of his dharma you know kind of uh-huh. symbolizing like you're 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 going to carry on my dharma after i go mm. and then the the other um buddhist monk who doesn't get it is like angry so he finds out that th- that his counterpart got it and he kind of chases after him and he like chases him down the road and chases him up a mountain or something and he gets there and he want his plan is to like forcibly take it from him like forcibly take the robe or or whatever the object was and he tries to lift it and it's like lifting a mountain it's like he can't lift Uh. it and then he immediately you know is kind of overwhelmed with the realization that he completely had like lost the teaching and had like lost his buddha nature by getting emotional like that and by trying to take it forcibly and then the the one who is now the bearer of the dharma shows up and like he just crying to him and says, "Please, just like give me, a, give me a teaching, give me a lesson." And then that's his lesson, as he says, "Show me the face you had before you were born." And then in that moment, he's like completely lit up with like transcendent knowledge and like satori and whatever for a moment. 
Mm-hmm. And then that's the koan is like, what, what, what happened? You know, it was like, and I don't know what happened. You know, it's like, I have all these different ideas. And the point is like, not to be able to answer the question, but to think about that story from every conceivable minutia from like, the, like, is there a code in the wording? Do, is there a coding in the names of these figures? What does it mean that the, that the robe was like a mountain? What does it mean that he said this, you know? Well, it's also about also not thinking about those things. That's kind of the point. It's like mm-hmm. you can use your mind to try to decipher the riddle, but it's undecipherable. That's the point. It's eventually the gears stop and then you experience it through the nothingness. And you know, those are that's the gift of the paradox in itself. Yeah. So <clears throat> the no answer is the answer, that kind of thing. And I know that's like we've been hearing that forever and it's it's in some ways maddening. But when you actually experience it, it's the opposite of it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a relief. Or I would say the experience of trying to answer it is the answer. You know, the experience of struggling and grappling and not being able to come to a final end. It's, I mean, isn't that symbolic of life? It's very, I mean, it's like, that's what life largely is, right? Is like grappling, trying. Oh, I think this is my destiny. Going down that road and finding out like, oh, fuck. Well, I still got old and died or whatever it was. It's just like, it's like... Yeah, but it, but you had the experience, right? You had the experience of grappling. You had the experience of of growing, of experiencing love, of experiencing sadness, of experiencing the ups, the downs, everything you can imagine that a lifetime contains and all the things you can't imagine that you'll eventually experience. Maybe that in and of itself is this is this sort of, you know, bittersweet answer. <clears throat> There you go, folks. Uh, on a rainy know. after, a rainy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. It's not. I don't actually don't think like this is a dark conversation. I think it's more grappling with um, the shadow in a sense, which we, it's, yeah, you know, pushing it away is ridiculous. We all deal with it every moment. It's it's just part of being who we are, and so in some ways, illuminating like this of just mm-hmm. sort of wrestling it, like this whole conversation is kind of wrestling with. The impossibility, in a sense. Yeah. And, and in a weird and, way, it makes me feel better. You know, it makes me feel, because uh, I think it's under, just underneath the surface, like kind of, we're kind of rolling around in people's minds all the time, and they just don't have a yeah. way to talk about it. And it just like, it's kind of therapeutic, you know? I agree. I mean, I guess in your thinking, if like the thinking about it is the process, like that is the, the jewel, then yes. You know, it's like exploring the different corners of it with your mind so that you, you're shining light on all these different areas. And you're like, all right, I guess I see the room a bit. And that somehow makes me feel a little more comforted that I know where I am. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't want to look over there. And I don't, I don't really want, I haven't looked down there totally. in a long time. I don't really want to know what's going on. How do I, mm-hmm. uh, oh, that feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But I'm emphatically some, not as nodding. scary, perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're when you're worried about some huge project like that you're just or or something you have to do. Putting it off like is is all you're doing is prolonging the worry, right? It's like get get in there, like organize That's the, the shit. ayahuasca yeah. message is like yes. you can put it off, but it just hurts, you know? I mean, the pain That's, is yeah. is not releasing, not fault flowing in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do, like, do you, so if you have to look at, you know, all of these, we're kind of like doing like a big game of ontological spitballing here. Like, like what, what's really the situation? Like, what do you think is the most likely? What do you, like, if I just ask you that question directly, what do you think is the most likely gestalt thing that's going on here, both as individuals and in the macro? What is your, what is your actual suspicion at this moment in time on this rainy day? I think in the, in <laughs> Not the biggest flavor. sense, it, it's cosmic peekaboo. And that's it's, it's a metaphor of it's like when you play with a baby and you just do this in front of your eyes, you hide yourself and then, oh, my gosh, I'm back. And they're the joy on the baby's face, both the humor of it and the actual like, forgetting and remembering. I feel like is, is the best way I could sum up perhaps what this entire thing is, is forgetting so that we can remember so we can have the fullness of the joy of fu- really remembering means you have to really forget and if, if you could make it like really forgetting in a sense where you experience infinite lifetimes of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, imagine the return and then doing that infinite times. I, I, I guess that would be the ultimate like love bomb baby to mother. We all came out of a mother quite literally. So mm-hmm. if we go to the as above, so below, perhaps it all is come out of every star coming out of other stars and, the Big Bang, coming out of some other Big Bang, again, back to your fractal behind you there, that's the answer. Um, it's like the Romanesca broccoli in the grocery store, unfortunately, gave it up. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's two on the nose, as I like to say. That's uh, funny. But, I don't know, what do you think? That's the cosmic peekaboo. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like that a lot. You know, it gives me a cosmic trickster, Alan Watts vibes, and I like that very much. But par- part of it does feel like being a human is not where you want to be, ultimately. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's an opportunity. It's like, <laughs> like an opportunity. <laughs> like, it feels like being a human is for sure some kind of opportunity. Like, it's for sure yeah. some kind of, if there's a point to it at all. Like, it feels like it's like, all right, I have a chance to do something here and make some realizations here. But ultimately, it kind of feels like you're in a, you know, because from an Eastern perspective, samsara is not where you want to be. It's not like the the going through the loop-de-loop of of life and suffering is not like the, you know, though it's like if you're a Hindu it's you're looking for moksha you're looking for release from that if you're a buddhist you're looking for release from that so there's also you know from the like the neoplatonic perspective there's this acknowledgement that i think plotinus called this like soul fall um where there's a a realization that you're sort of trapped in a lower to you again for the fractal metaphor you're kind of trapped in a lower dimensional reflection of what your soul actually is so that yeah. you're a human and you're an expression of your soul which is something closer to the macro fractal let's say yeah and you're kind of hypnotized or or you're stuck in a mathematical 
kind of encryption relationship to this thing, but that ultimately you need to burn off your worldly attachments so that you can rise back up to your larger self. Um, and I like that because it it creates some kind of ontological scenario that you can grab onto and interact yet with, yet it's not like a, you know, it's not like a fairy tale, everything's so easy and everything's happening for you and everything's just like, you know, here as a, as a cosmic play date or something like that, right, that seems overly right, right, right. rosy. It's kind of like, nah, you kind of stumbled into something here and don't worry about it. Like you're not bad for doing it. It's just, it's just a natural result. It's something that happens to consciousness sometimes. It's something that happens to, uh, on the higher order of things sometimes. And you have an opportunity to recognize that and work through that throughout your lifetime. And I think most of us are failing miserably at it, myself included. <laughs> myself included. Well, I've, I heard, and uh, there's a, that book, Journey of Souls. I just like some of the the little nuggets from that. And one of the people is talking about in their deep hypnosis about sort of life between life, the soul space, that look, uh, there are many universes there's, that you can choose in a sense to incarnate into. And the other one, this one is duality. This entire multiverse, whatever we're in here. But there's others and they're completely different operating systems that are not even possible for us to conceive what that means. But many of those are considered quote unquote easier, the others. Uh, this one is considered quite gooey and difficult and intense, but it's considered one of the richer, quote-unquote, faster mechanisms for growing as a soul because it's, dualism's a big, it's, it's a tough one, uh, but mm -hmm. it's, it's rich. And so with, if you also take on the mantle that, what if you choose this? This is like there was choice involved in diving into the deeper waters because uh, that way you can expand into those more larger levels of your soul space and continue to expand even further from there. Uh, and there's that's a form of non-resistance in a way. It's like you, you wanted to uh, burn through all the experiences in deeper and faster, more faster. I don't know why faster matters, but... Um, it's depressing to think that the oh, time on. matters at we, all. We want yeah. it now. We want it now. Whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. But that that's it. That's actually like the, this this world of duality itself. Like that's my own manifestation of the feelings of like time and faster and all I mean anyway. So if maybe maybe it's like maybe you picked it and you're like, I, I wanna I wanna take uh you know a level seven trip versus a level three and you've been doing this for a long time. Just yeah, master, I, I mean you know? that that has to be like a a magnification of the 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 full hearty heroic dose consumer. You know, it's like a ah, let's see what happens. Five <laughs> grams, let's see what happens. It's it's got to be like a it's got to be just like a magnification of that. If if you really are taking that dive into the human world, my God, the the you know. Like in the Welcome. same way Good that I, you. yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Another soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all I mean, just it basically does... took too many mushrooms, and here we are in this collective dream. You know, yeah, on that we cosmic took too scale. much amrita or uh, ambrosia or whatever, whatever it is they they eat up down 
around probably preposition doesn't make sense in whatever this world is, but it's the best we got. This 3D, 3D, uh, 3D prepositions. Yeah, man. It's a well, weird. That note, it's the best we yeah. got. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It probably is. Probably is. <laughs> Other than actual practical things, let's leave them with some practical advice. Yeah. Right. The top ten. Yeah, I know. That's that's our problem. Is we're always trying to nail it down to the easy answers, and uh, it's all poetry. It's all metaphor. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if you want to define your pecs, you got to do like, you know, do all different ranges of push-ups. You got to do the kind where your hands are really close together, work it out to the wide, you know, at least, at least you can leave with that. You can leave with... This is just God trying to get better looking in the mirror. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I actually, that's actually kind of a, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so he can show up in, in, in God school with a, like... The new, one up the other gods a new it's tattoo like, or something yeah check yeah. out my dualistic universe i've been working on for eternity i'm looking that, fine that just just because we're playing in the you know the the absolute ontological spitballing waters I'll, I, to one to throw in there that this is kind of reminding me of is like to me it's almost equally terrifying to consider the notion that God is just barely, barely holding on to the chaos <laughs> than, than it is that there is no God, you know? Because like when you talk to anybody, like I remember even learning this in a religious philosophy class in college is like basically, you know, around the time of, you know, all of the major Christian theological thinkers who were, you know, who made all of these ideas of like the omnipotent, um, all-knowing, you know, omniscient God, very popular. They were basically like, if this, if these aren't the features of God, this is not a God worth worshiping. Like the God, God has to be these things or it's not worth worshiping. And it's just so popularly sunken into the psyche of everybody that, yeah, if, if there's a God, God is all-knowing, it's omniscient, he has a plan for everything. It's like, well, what if there is a God and it's just barely holding on it's just barely holding on to the chaos and well, we're if, and we're part of the architects of his barely holding on yeah well, you know? if we are god uh which sometimes we have a sense that we're all the one thing and and we're kind of barely holding on our lives we're all just sort of like 50.1 percent you know over the line thank god of grace uh then i guess that's it like <laughs> just moving this thing forward barely barely yeah. holding our shit together if you want to hear the rest of that conversation with myself and Michael, just head over to patreon.com slash eastforest and you can support the podcast over there and get exclusive content like the rest of our conversation, demos, music, and sometimes live meditations and live streams, including our our monthly Zoom gathering. We're gonna and the one this month, anyone who signs up for the council who is a member, that will open it up to everybody for June 30th is when that is happening. So head over and sign up and you'll get the link and join us for that live gathering and musical meditation on June 30th. This song that you're hearing in the background is called Old Tales. This is off the Still Possible album. The full album drops on June 17th. It is B-Sides and Orphans from the Possible Sessions and I hope you are enjoying it. 
Um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Thanks for reviewing. You guys keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, but if you do, do it with grace.